listener. Hi and welcome back to Broadsheet Sydney Around Town. I'm Emma Joyce, Broadsheet's Features Editor and I host this short guide to Sydney. If you've walked past the Art Gallery of New South Wales recently, you'll have spotted a 9 metre tall, 10 metre wide bronze spider at the entrance. It is, of course, Maman, the most famous sculptural work by French artist Louise Bourgeois. It's the first work you'll encounter as part of the huge summer exhibition. But as you venture inside, you'll learn that Louise Bourgeois' seven-decade career was broad and intriguing. Curator Justin Patton is here today to tell us more about the artist's practice. He's the head curator of international art at the Art Gallery. He's the man behind this latest exhibition, which is huge. Before we venture into the space, which I feel was just overwhelming, like I had a real visceral reaction to her works down there. We should talk about the giant arachnid that is greeting visitors because it's right outside the gallery. Can you tell us about Maman? I can. Thank you, Emma. And it's wonderful to hear the tank impress you in that way. That's what we dream of. So in a way, the show occupies three spaces. Yeah, there are those two amazing exhibition spaces, one a kind of museum white cube and the other this very moody, echoing tank, as you've described. Um, And the third and the first is the forecourt of our South Building, where in front of our beautiful old sandstone facade, you will now see this giant nine metre high, 10 metre wide, many, many tonnes um, bronze spider, which is the same spider which has been seen in outside Guggenheim Bilbao. It's been outside the Tate in London. So one of Louise's most iconic works, and for once that word iconic is well-deserved. This is a completely memorable sculpture. It looks like it sort of unfolded itself from some tropical garden bed down in the Royal Botanic Gardens and loped up the hill and just found a place to be. And it is, um, it's daunting and welcoming. It's, um, it gets smiles as well as for sure. Yeah. And, um, and as you said, it's called Mamon, which means not just mother, but mummy. And it's a work, um, which Louise saw as a homage to her beloved mother, Josephine. And she likened Josephine to the spider in that she was formidable, she was precise, she was constructive. As Louise said, if you bash a spider's web, it just starts uh, rebuilding it. And um, and she was Louise's protector. And when we stand under the the big sculpture, you know, you do feel like you've been transported back to childlike scale in the presence of this daunting being. I can't imagine how scary it might be if you are a child standing underneath it because of its size. It It is really overwhelming, but I, I think just such a great coup for the art gallery to have my man here. That's her most famous work for sure. Mm. But what's so impressive about this exhibition is that that really is just one aspect of, of mm. her practice. Mm. She's worked across paintings. She's worked across textiles, lots of other mediums and for seven decades so really you get to know this artist through lots and lots of different ways i'd like to know why the very first two pieces of art that you see in the exhibition are a Mm self-portrait and also another sculpture an arching sculpture i'll let you tell us more about them well, those works come from the beginning and the end of Louise's career. And as you identify, it was such an extraordinarily long career. I mean, Louise in the 1940s is exhibiting with artists from the 40s. In the 60s, she's exhibiting with artists a generation younger. 
And then in the 1990s and 2000s with artists several generations younger still. So she's sort of like the the eternal contemporary. Her work feels urgent and personal in a way that, you know, many other artists who were born at that time do not. She outlasted them all. So really bracketing the show in that way was a way of pointing to that endurance, persistence, determination. As you also identify, there are two works made in totally different mediums. And for Louise, it wasn't about saying, I've sorted my signature style, there's a market for it, I'm going to keep on making in that way. Every day was a new search. And she was the question she sought to answer. You know, she was someone who unearthed all those innermost feelings about love, rage, affection, vulnerability, the fear of abandonment, trust, things which were personal to her but which we can all connect with. It's the intensity of that search that comes through for me and and also just the magical qualities of the objects because she was an anxious artist. She believed in getting the turbulence of her feelings out into the world. But the objects that were left behind are so strange and wondrous often and especially so when you head down into the tank. Before we do, let's talk about those items that are in the day section. Mm. This mm. this section of the gallery that has a lightness mm. to the space, colour, geometry. There's a section that includes lots of aspects around motherhood. Mm. And there's a kneeling figure with thread coming out of her breasts into kind of spools of thread, like kneeling children. Tell me about that work and also what's surrounding it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's among my favourite rooms in the show too, in that upstairs daytime section of the show. The sculpture is called The Good Mother. It's tiny and that's part of its power, I think. You know, we read it almost like a doll, but it's like a doll for adults. You know, dolls are how we learn about other people when we're, when we're little, but Louise made these sculptures that are almost like dolls that describe adult experiences of responsibility and obligation and love and all of those other things. And this devotional object sits in its case, and as you say, it is the model of generosity. It's giving and giving and giving. It's feeding out. It's um, the product of its own body to these uh, recipients. But you realize it's also tethered. You know, it cannot escape this role. And Louise was ambivalence is key. She loves being in two minds of exploring the extremes of human experience. And she was fascinated by this push and pull between the good mother and the bad mother, you know, the person that fulfills their role and does the right thing and does feed and sustain and nurture. But on the other hand, and this is a dilemma that, you know, many women artists of her generation faced, how do you reconcile all of those demands with the demand you feel within yourself to be the artist that you need and want to be? So the space also has a sculpture in it of the bad mother, you know, who was spilling her milk out upon the ground. The child is imploring her, and I really think that's Louise getting at what it is to, to feel the pull of another kind of creation. And, you know, elsewhere in that room, of course, indeed wrapping the entire room, is a wonderful series made when Louise is, and she's about 96 or 97 years old, which, you know, after a year of struggling with these extremes, she's in a mode almost of peace and acceptance. And uh, it's a series of works in which she portrays herself as, a, as an adult who's kind of dissolving into some cosmic space, but she's also a baby who's coming into being in a space that looks a bit like a, a, a womb. So it's very affecting to see her connecting those extremes of, of, of life and death at the end of her own life. Once you venture down this spiral staircase into the former oil tank, 
which is dark and there's eerie sounds playing video works as well going along so there's like kind of flashing lights and movement it's kind of a surreal environment to to come into and i loved it i think that's by far my favorite space to be in and i just wanted to spend the entire day down there do you have any works within that space that you are particularly drawn to when you venture into that area look i have so many favorites in that space you know they range from very small. One of the most touching to me is a is a is a tiny fabric couple. They're made out of kind of tawny brown that's fabric. A, that's the one I was going to mention as my favorite. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Especially the way that it kind of interacts with the space behind yes. it. It interacts yeah. with the wall. Yeah. So it's a a sculpture of a female figure. I mean, not much larger than a doll, and and she is kind of embracing, encircling with her arms and holding the male figure. And they just hang in the immensity of the seven meter high, twenty three hundred square meter oil tank, and you see them against the the streaks and the markings of the um, you know the sort of oil stained walls of the tank. And I don't know, it's it's all there, you know the the vulnerability, you know what we what we draw from others, the the immensity of the unknown that that lies around and and beyond us. There's so, this giant mirror that almost seems like it was made in the space because it yes. fits so perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it had to come in in pieces, I can I can assure you. But yes, that's at the other extreme. And um, again, you think of commonalities. I mean, you know, Louise grew up in a different time and a very different setting from me. But I remember that experience of sort of going into your parents' room and there being a dressing, you know, a dressing room mirror and sort of seeing yourself in it and 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 feeling different in that space. and. That I think is what that large mirror does. It's like a, it's like a vanity mirror from a from a you know a dressing table, which has been blown blown up large, and in it you can see all of the other objects that are kind of glowing in the tank, including all of those hanging works. And I think that sense of of almost anti gravity when you're in the space and there are all these sculptures that are actually suspended is is really really strong. So. You know, as a curator, you you know you envisage and you plan and you you do digital renderings with the design team and you hope. But um, yeah, I think it's a measure of Louise's greatness that that space feels sort of even stranger and more mysterious and more beautiful than I'd anticipated. And it's I mean, lovely to hear your response and so gorgeous to see people being down there and wanting to to spend time, you know, looking at what Louise made and also, of course, looking at Louise herself because. We do see her writ large on the walls of the tank, you know, in one instance telling a story that is so intense and um, unforgettable. I mean, she really is someone, once you've met her, you never forget her. There's also, running alongside the exhibition, a film series, mm. which I think is is really cool and worth pointing out because they're all screened for free yes. in the Domain yeah. Theatre. What are the films showing or what kind of films and what's the connection to the artist? Yeah, so Louise, um, it turns out, was quite an avid moviegoer. And, um, you know, at the end of a, a big day in the studio, she would often head to one of the nearby um, theatres. She would often visit with her longtime assistant, Jerry Gorovoy. And she she was particularly fond of um, psychodramas, you know, works a bit like her own, um, which kind of took on you know, relationships, love, but the complications that surround love. But her tastes were quite wide-ranging. I mean, uh, trivia tidbit, she also loved the comedies of Rodney Dangerfield. We don't have any of those in the in the, um, in the film program. But the, the program inaugurates um, 
this evening, I believe, with The Wizard of Oz. And Louise, who once described herself as the runaway girl, was sometimes likened to Dorothy, you know, someone who left her home in France and went to this you know, brightly coloured and amazing new place. There is also The Bad Seed, you know, a story of, you know, a child who um, starts to wreak vengeance on the, on the world around them, as well as, you know, many other classics of uh, 1970s cinema. So, um, as you say, it's a wonderful cinematic, which is right in our midst and, uh, and a free program and just such a great chance to kind of look through a great artist's eyes at another medium. And I often think that's where the, that's where the juice lies, you know, in the world of museums, we often compare people working within the same medium, but actually, you know, most artists draw inspiration wherever they find it. And it might be a poem, it might be a novel, it might be a movie. And um, and there's something deeply cinematic about Louise's very moody work. There really is. And, and the way that it's presented in part of the exhibition really mirrors that. So those films are screened on Wednesdays and Sundays. And I think that's just an awesome way to get into Louise's mind. But Louise Bourgeois, Has the Day Invaded the Night or Has the Night Invaded the Day, is on now at the Art Gallery of New South Wales until the end of April. Tickets are $35 for adults, $32 for concessions. And there are ticket packages if you want to see the gallery's other major exhibition this summer as well, Kandinsky, at the same time. And I highly recommend you do. Broadsheets Grace McKenzie has news about a beloved Greek restaurant that shut up shop for a year it's back, but this time in a new location. So if you haven't been to Steki, what is the vibe like? So steki has been around for 39 years. It's not with its original owners. There was actually a regular who bought it after, I guess, loving it so much and deciding that they were going to keep it going. It's like it looks like a classic paired back Greek restaurant. And from about 9 p.m. on a Friday and Saturday night, it turns into what is essentially a nightclub. It's a heaving dance floor bottles of ouzo, live music. It was in the same location for a really long time. So where is it now? So it's moved kind of to the far end of Enmore Road, up near the Trocadero. Have they done anything to kind of retain the energy of the previous location? Yeah, I think that's like a really important point is that they weren't trying to reinvent themselves or like refresh the offering at all. They really have just moved out of necessity. It's the same art on the walls the same energy it's the same team of wait staff um same chef same menu big generous helpings of masaka and saganaki and a really really lovely tarama the brief is exactly the same it's just in you know a new spot and that end of enmore road is really having a resurgence you've got like enmore country club the trocadero as we said there's like quite a few things that are popping up there i think it's a really nice addition it's really adding to the neighborhood well, Stecky Taverna is now open at 149 Enmore Road in Enmore. Thanks, Grace. Thanks, Emma. And that's all we have time for today. Of course, you can stay up to date with what's happening around Sydney at broadsheet.com.au and at broadsheet underscore Sid on Instagram. A listener production.